0: Jimmy, once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back to talk to you, the automotive technician and the uh, service providers out there, the guys with the tools, whether you work on heavy duty stuff or airplanes or boats or whatever the fuck you fix, you're part of the brotherhood now, okay? All right. Now, what I want to talk to you about today is something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is you, okay? you as the guy with the tools, as the guy, and I say guys, I mean any girls that are out there doing it, we all know, there's not a whole heck of a lot of you, so I'm going to refer to you as guys, okay? But all you guys out there with tools and knowledge who put that to use to put people back on the road, I want to just kind of build you up in this podcast and let you know just how fucking important you really are, okay? What I want you to understand is that this podcast is strictly for you, and if customers are listening, well, they can kiss my ass. (laughs) One of the things I want you to know, or I want you to realize, and I want you to think about is that you, my friends, are the talent. You are the guys who fix the broken shit. Okay, You are the ones. Okay, Now, if you work somewhere where there's more than one or two people there uh, who don't have tools and don't show up with torn and nasty clothes and have mashed up knuckles or burns or bad hearing or a bad back like most of us do, Uh, these are people who don't fix the cars that's it's plain and simple as that there's no job in a shop or a dealership or in a uh, maintenance yard that is as brutal and as tough and as physical and as hard as fixing them okay everybody else I'm sorry as far as I'm concerned non-essential personnel. Then I'm talking about the owner, the general manager, the service manager, the service advisor, the parts people, the lot guy, the detail guy. The Only people who are really necessary for your profession to exist is the customer with broken shit. Because you're the guy with the knowledge and the time and the energy and the physical input to fix the car you're the guy you are the end product supplier okay so i don't want anybody to take anything away from you okay it's really important that you know that without you no shop puts out anything sure there's other technicians but if you all got together and decided you wanted to go fishing someday you know like say a thursday and your manager or your shop owner or whoever schedules in work has scheduled in a bunch of bullshit and you all look at each other and say guess what the fish are biting you go and you get a 12 pack And you go fishing the next day instead of coming into work. Let's say there's four or five of you and none of you show up. Guess what gets done that day? Not a goddamn thing. And somebody's going to lose their mind blowing your phone up, maybe driving around to the lakes and reservoirs and the rivers nearby and looking for you. Because nothing is going to get done without you. They can't put tools and wrenches and screwdrivers into the hands of parts people or a lot guy and say, hey, you know what? Go put a water pump in that car. That guy needs that car today. Uh Uh-uh. Doesn't happen. So I want you to start thinking about all the other people that you work with, including the owners and the service manager and everybody else. I want you to start thinking of them as non-essential personnel. Here's the scenario. Here, Here is the ultimate scenario. Let's say, let's do the opposite, okay? Let's say nobody shows up for work one day except you for some reason. Who knows? You know, a zombie apocalypse or, you know, everybody won the lottery that day for whatever reason nobody is showing up for work except you so you go in you got a key to the place you kick the door open boom you're working open the toolbox pull out some wrenches start tearing something apart or putting something back together you're doing what you do guy shows up he's got an appointment maybe he doesn't even have an appointment maybe he's just like hey my car's all left up i gotta get it fixed because you know i gotta drive to work i gotta pick the kids up from soccer i gotta go to walmart it's like i got shit i gotta do having a broken car isn't on my list of things to do so he comes to the back door because customers do that all the time anyway and uh, he goes hey uh Is there anybody here? And of course, you know, obviously he's talking to you and you're there. So it's like, oh, no, I'm a fucking hologram. You know, it's like, hello, Mr. Obvious. Anyway, he says to you, he says, oh, you know, I got a problem with my car. And you look around and there's nobody around. And you're like, well, let's take a look. You know, I mean, looking's for free. At least that's what I keep telling myself. So this guy, he showed up. Nobody else did. You fix his car. I mean, maybe you don't even need parts or maybe he has the parts or maybe you went and got the parts or the parts store was open and everybody there showed up for work for some reason and they brought you the parts you needed to fix the car. So the end product comes out the back door of the building because you are there, okay? Nobody else. That should give you an idea of how non-essential all of the other fucking personnel at your place of employment is, okay? You're the talent. I want you to think about that. I want you to start acting like it, too. I mean, as technicians, we have an obligation just to ourselves and really our customers, but more, or more importantly, to ourselves, to get better at what we do, okay? Uh, We need to read about this new system that we're suddenly seeing screw up, or uh, we need to learn about a new engine, or a new way of doing things, or maybe new tools, different processes, maybe new computer programs, maybe a, (coughs) excuse me, maybe maybe a new line of scan tools that does the job better than all the ones that went before it, okay, so... You have an obligation, and you would do that anyway, uh, simply because your mom bought a brand new car, or your sister, or your, your wife, and you got to be able to fix it, and guess what? It's got all kinds of shit that it does, and things that it has on it that you don't know a goddamn thing about, and uh, you need to learn, because, you know, backup cameras, it's a good example. Every, car in the United States has to have backup cameras. It's the government telling us how to build cars again, and, uh um, They got a lot of shit they can't get straight, so why shouldn't they uh, tell us how to build cars, right? Um, But everybody's got to have a backup camera because there might be one or two things that are going to get run over or that won't get run over if somebody actually looks into the fucking rearview camera when it shows up on their screen in the car. So that's one thing. And then... You know, anytime you put shit like that in a car, it's gonna break, you know, and and maybe or maybe you weren't an audiovisual geek in high school, but... These are things you're going to have to diagnose and fix, and usually the problem is a a RBG cable that runs from the camera up to the goddamn screen, and it's, you know, 18 feet long and snakes around all the back seats, and it's just a pain in the ass to replace. It's not something you want to do. Anyway... I digress, but this is the sorts of things that you need to be aware of. You need to get better at what you do. Does that make you more valuable? Hell yeah, it makes you more valuable. How much more valuable can you be, really? I mean, you think about it. You are the talent. You're producing the product that goes out the door. Nobody else is. You know, Nobody brings their car to a service advisor because he's going to fix it. He's lucky if he knows how to start the goddamn thing. Here's some numbers I wanted to throw out at you. Uh, I was just looking online and found out that Americans in the United States that is, have 253 million cars and I'm pretty sure that's uh, registered cars that are on the road. That doesn't count all the garbage that's rotting into the ground in the backyard or the, the cars that people can't afford insurance on but are driving anyway. So the number is higher but uh, for For argument's sake, we'll call it 250 million cars, okay? Uh, Department of Labor says that there's 600, roughly, 1,000 technicians out there. Some of them, calling them a technician is very generous, but for the most part, we'll just lump us all into one big fat group and call it 600,000 technicians. So that's roughly uh, four cars per tech. So we got a lot of work to do because... Uh, some of those technicians aren't, aren't fixing them. We have to start thinking of ourselves as a group, not uh, I'm a master tech and you're a lube tech. Uh, that's a, a divide and conquer kind of a strategy used by management to keep us all from banding together and beating the shit out of them. Because if you look at the bottom line, and as a technician, your bottom line is never—it's uh, never satisfactory. Okay, I have met probably five, six hundred technicians. Out of that five or six hundred, I probably met three or four that are actually happy with how much they get paid. As a matter of fact, they refer to it as how much they don't get paid. And uh, they got a point, okay? Now, a lot of them are just whiners, and they want more money because, uh, I don't know, they want to buy a motorcycle or something. It's things that technicians buy, you know, guns, motorcycles, toolboxes, four-wheelers, Anyway, any of that assorted stuff stuff Um, it's all fun stuff it's all good stuff to have I'm not knocking it I'm just saying we don't seem to make enough to buy the stuff we want and the reason we don't think that we make enough money is because there is a huge gap between what we get paid for providing the service and what the shop gets paid for for offering the service now, if you're a technician, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You get paid, and the Department of Labor says we all get paid roughly fifteen, sixteen dollars an hour. Some of us, some of us do get some more, uh, and and some get less. So, you know, you got to keep that in in the back of your mind, uh, depending on where you live. Uh, you're going to make either more or less but the other thing that you have to keep in mind is how much the labor that you provide is being sold to the customer for okay so let's let's use some easily roundable numbers let's say you make 20 dollars an hour which is fair i don't you know i'm not gonna complain about that not to anybody but your shop makes $100 an hour for your labor. Now, here, here's the other problem I have with that. Let's say they go, oh, you know, I need a water pump, a thermostat, and a serpentine drive belt. And they're going to charge the customer five hours labor. $500. $500 fucking dollars. You as an experienced technician and i mean even lightly experienced could probably do that job in about an hour but let's let's soften it up a little we'll call it two hours so the the shop has to pay you 40 bucks and all you have to do is put a water pump a thermostat and a serpentine dry belt on a car and it's good to go and that guy is going to be out 500 bucks and he's not giving you that money he's given your idiot moronic micromanaging shop owner or service manager that money now granted they have to pay for things okay they have to pay the other non essential employees they have to pay for the lights and the heat which you know, they barely ever turn the heat up. Um, the majority of shops don't have air conditioning, so they're not paying for that. Um, and, of course, other assorted shop supplies, which, as a technician, we feel obligated to pilfer because, obviously, we're not making $500 for two hours' worth of work. But the shop owner is... I don't have a problem with a shop owner making money. They have to take it on the chin if something gets screwed up. That's another subject that I wanted to uh, address. Uh, and, and maybe I'll do it here in a few minutes because it, it's very pointed. Um, it's, a, it's a subject that I became very familiar with very recently here. Now, a lot of the problem that I have with a shop making so much money off you, and uh, is be- well, the, the, the one, I think the, the thing that bothers me the most, okay, is that in a lot of shops I've worked in, the people who are in charge have no goddamn business being in charge they don't know what the fuck they're talking about they don't know what the fuck they're doing and if they were smart they would do something fucking else with their lives because they're just pissing us off now yeah i have worked for some excellent service managers but they are so few and far between and uh, if I work in one more place where the service manager or the general manager or the sales manager has his job just because his last name is exactly the same as the guy who owns a fucking place, I'm going to scream. And... I'm not going to scream right now because my, my nephew would have to edit it out because it would probably blow the locks off the, uh, the grid. But uh, I can call it the grid if I want, okay? That, that's irritating because that's saying to me, oh, you know, this is a job so fucking easy. I can give it to my idiot, retarded nephew or cousin or brother. You know, it's just don't do it. You know, stop doing that. Okay, you belittle all of us, and and that that's the what I'm trying to get at is that if, you know if you work for a car dealer and you're a technician, I'd say for the most part they think you're a monkey or an ape really a necessary evil uh, at best um, because they sell these brand new cars but they're not perfect nothing's perfect are you kidding me <laughs> look around you. This planet's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination so the cars they sell are not perfect and they're screwed up and sometimes they come off the truck brand new from the factory and they're not right and we have to fix them and we do You know, we're mechanics, that's what we do. We know how to fix things, we know how things work, and when they don't work, we know why, and we know what to do to make them go again. It's kind of weird, but sometimes. But the one thing that bothers me the most about management, okay, and I don't think you get this attitude that much from people who aren't in management, but managers seem to carry this around with them. It's kind of like a great big rubber mallet that they smash you with. Um, managers, like a lot of managers that i run into, like to manage from the negative. At least that's that's what I call it. They have an excellent working memory of everything that you ever did that didn't go the way you wanted it to. You know, they can remember the car that uh, you you screwed up fixing it three years ago. You know, you might have fixed 45 cars right in a row perfectly and the customers were happy. Eh, they don't remember that. But they remember a car from six months ago that you broke a radiator hose while you were trying to change an air filter or something. And it cost them money. And they don't like that. So they remember that and they'd like to smash you over the fucking head with that big inflatable rubber mallet to manage from the negative. Like, oh, remember that time you broke that part? Yeah, I remember that. Thanks. Thanks for uh, reminding me, though, dick. You know? It's totally not necessary. Seriously, okay? So, here's what I want you to do, folks. All you car-fixing motherfuckers out there, I want you to remember, you, boys and girls, you are the talent. You are the end provider of the service don't forget it we have where we're gonna go in the future we want you to come with us we're not gonna charge you for the trip it's a free trip it's gonna be on us we have things in store for you and we're gonna treat you with respect and we're gonna treat you as if we like you because we do and we're going to do things for you to help bring you self-esteem and the fortune, the financial rewards that you deserve. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to get you my uh, the story I was kind of alluding to earlier. I'm going to give you that in the next podcast. So you're going to have to kind of uh, you know pay attention and keep up with what's going on. I wanted to add that uh, I apologize, and I mean this uh, sincerely. I apologize for the length of time between my last podcast and this particular podcast. I've had some uh, uh, ground-breaking and earth-shattering uh, situations happen to me, and uh, i got it all pretty well sorted out. And I'll tell you about that because it's a it's. Extremely relevant to what we're trying to get through to you. But uh, until then, the Shunkle Jimmy signing off. Uh, this point of the podcast is where sponsorship would probably come in. You know, I'd say something like, oh, don't forget to use, uh, you know, Blamo to clean your car wheels because that's good stuff, you know. But Blamo hasn't called us up. I don't know if they even exist. If they do, they got got a free plug, but I bet you they don't make wheel cleaner, so, anyway, we're looking for sponsors, if you know some, maybe hit them up, if you're listening, let us know that you're listening, definitely, definitely, definitely make sure you give us some feedback, okay, because if you don't like this shit that's going on, I'll stop doing it, I mean, you know, I I stopped picking my nose when I was a kid, because people went, Ugh, that's disgusting, so, you don't like something, just tell me, we'll cut it out, Eric will probably cut that out anyway, so, Anyway, signing off for now. I'm your Uncle Jimmy. Go out there and fix them, you motherfuckers.